Good morning. Did everyone make it okay with the the snow? Well, I guess if you're here, you made it okay. <laughs> uh, I, I invite you to stand as we as we worship this morning. Maybe the better question is, do you like the snow out there? I think it looks beautiful. Okay, I know it's not the most fun to, uh, you know, get the ice off your windshield and whatnot, but I think it's very cool that it's snowing on the first Sunday of Advent. It, like, just kind of marks the season perfectly. So, anyway, welcome to everyone, and welcome to those who are watching from home. Let's sing together. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, love endures forever for the life that's been reborn his love endures forever sing praise sing praise sing praise sing praise forever god is faithful Forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever, forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever and ever, forever. From the rising, from the rising to the setting sun, His love endures forever. And by the grace of God, we will carry on. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever, forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever, sing praise. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, we sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever.
forever God is with us forever 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 God is faithful forever God is strong forever God is with us forever and ever forever This morning we will begin celebrating the season of Advent by lighting the first Advent candle. The word Advent means coming or arrival. It is the anticipation of celebrating Christ's first Advent or coming when he was born into this world as a baby in a manger over 2,000 years ago. The wreath and its candles are the visual focus of Advent. The candles symbolize the light of Christ coming into the world. One of the candles is lit each week as Christmas approaches. The circle of the Advent wreath has no beginning and no end and symbolizes the completeness of God. The evergreen color represents the eternal life that we are granted when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The shape of the wreath is round reminding us of our fellowship with believers around the world who share with us the celebration of his coming. The four outer candles represent hope, peace, love, and joy. The center candle is called the Christ candle and will be lit during our Christmas Eve service, celebrating Christ's birth. This morning, our reading will be done by Hannah Jaggernoth, and Rachel Massey. Angels we have heard on high Sweetly singing o'er the plains And the mountains in reply Echoing their joyous strains Gabriel to Nazareth, 
a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to bless you. You'll become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can I have a baby? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left. This Sunday, we will focus on the hope we have in Christ. The prophets of Israel all spoke of the coming of Christ, of how a savior would be born a king in the line of David. They spoke of how he would rule the world wisely and bless all nations. As followers of Christ, we await his return. We light this candle, the candle of hope, to remember that as he came to us humbly in the manger at Bethlehem and gave light to the world, so he is coming again in power to deliver his people. We light this candle to remind us to be alert and to watch for his return. it's okay to say Merry Christmas. All right, beautiful morning. Snow is softly falling. And uh, before you're seated, why don't you just turn, wish somebody a Merry Christmas, good morning, and um, then you can be seated. Thank you. You may be seated. I just want to take this opportunity to welcome each of you here this morning, and uh, so glad you could make it and uh, be here in person with us as we mark the beginning of the Advent season 
today. So we're just so delighted you're here. And for those of you who are watching from elsewhere, we're glad you're with us too. And uh, we just pray that today would be a meaningful day for you. Just have a couple of uh, important announcements to share with you. First of all, I want to begin by expressing thanks to uh, two groups of people. Uh, the first group is I want to thank those who came in here this week and worked so hard to decorate and to, uh, and to set us up for Christmas. And you did a, a beautiful job. And so thank you very, very much for, uh, for, for all of that, for all of your work. And also we want to thank all of you who uh, donated poinsettias uh, in memory or honor of someone in this Christmas season. And uh, so thank you very much for doing that. And the church is certainly uh, much more beautiful because those, those, uh, those plants are here. So um, thank you that we can, we can mark the season with the plants and also in remembering and honoring uh, people that we love for sure. Uh, just a couple of announcements. On the way in this morning, you would have received a handout from the Kerr Street um, Market from Kerr Street Ministries, and uh, they are in need of food items, and those are on that form. And so uh, what, I'm, what we're asking you as a congregation to do is that when you come back next Sunday, if you want to bring a, an, an item or multiple items, uh, you can bring it. There will be a box in the foyer as you enter, and you can just leave it there on your way into the service. But I do want to highlight that next Sunday is the only day that we're doing it because uh, they need the food by then and then so they can start distributing it. So we will be doing this next Sunday uh, only, so make sure you take a look and see what are the types of items they may need, and if you can help in any way, that would be fantastic. Thank you. Also, I just want to remind you that, um, of course, with the mark of the beginning of Advent is the uh, anticipation of Christmas Eve. And so last year at Christmas Eve, we weren't able to uh, meet in person. We were online only. This year, we will be having uh, an in-person Christmas Eve gathering, and we are going to be doing things a little bit different this year. And so I just want to let you know that we will be doing what we're calling Carols by Candlelight at 6.30 on Christmas Eve, and, and basically that service will be carols and readings only, and then after that part is done, we're actually going to have our, our living nativity outside, and uh, the animals are coming, so there will be live animals, there will be a living nativity outside, and once we're finished with the carols and readings in here, we're going to move out there, and, um, and if there's kids, or if you're a kid at heart, uh, you know, you can, you can visit the animals and, and, and hang around for a little bit uh, before you exit and head off for your own uh, Christmas Eve events. So just keep that in mind. Now, what I want to highlight is I anticipate that it is going to fill up very, very quickly. And uh, there are only in total 180 spaces because that's all that's allowable for us in the building at this time. So what I'm recommending to you is if you anticipate that you're coming, uh, please go online. If you go to our website, it's just there's a banner right there with a click button, and you can register. Uh, it's up now, and you can register right away. And uh, it doesn't matter how what the age of the person, uh, anyone who is a living breathing person outside the womb, you have to uh, register them. So just keep that in mind, but I would suggest you do it quickly because um, you, you may end up, uh, uh, I suspect that these spots are going to fill up quickly. So uh, just, just a reminder of that. Kids, JK to grade five, if you could uh, quietly make your way around the perimeter, uh, those who are leading you today as well, and um, yeah, you guys can go for your morning. Thank you, Tyler. I'm going to hand it back to you. 
and uh, as we continue to worship this morning. Thank you. So we sang Angels We Have Heard on High, and it made me think of the song uh, God of Angel Armies. And so that's what we're going to sing. Um, I don't think that's going to be a new song for most of you, but if it is, it's quite easy to sing along with. And I invite you to stand as, as we sing. You hear me when I call. You are my morning song. Though darkness fills the night, it cannot hide the light. Whom shall I fear? You crush the enemy underneath my feet. You are my sword and shield, though troubles linger still. Whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of
hope. scripture this morning is found in Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 35, some of which was read during our Advent this morning. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so beautifully this morning. As I reflect back over so many different Christmas seasons, I am reminded that in my own personal life that this Christmas will mark the 34th Christmas that Jennifer and I will celebrate as a married couple. 34 Christmases. Now, considering that on average the length of a marriage in Canada is 14 years, uh, I consider that to be quite an accomplishment, certainly a testimony to her tolerance level and endurance. No question. And everyone said amen. Yes, thank you. 
On our first Christmas, we decided we wanted a real tree. And Jennifer didn't remember ever having a real tree growing up, so it was somewhat of a novelty for us to be able to get a real tree. Now, to be honest, we, we didn't have much money. And uh, the tree itself, well, the one we picked out, uh, which that probably hasn't changed in 34 years, was one of the most expensive ones on the lot. And um, it took almost all of our Christmas budget, but we really wanted that tree. It was just a beautiful tree. Now, consequently, most of the ornaments on the tree resulted in being handmade because we, we, we didn't have the budget to go buy the ornaments. So uh, we sat there cutting out pictures out of a magazine and pasting the pictures to cardboard and putting little strings through and, and hanging them on the tree. And, and our niece and nephew came for a sleepover and uh, they made some you know, homemade uh, uh, ornaments. I think there was macaroni involved for sure. And we added those to the tree. Um, you know, it didn't win any decorating contest, but we loved our first tree. We just, we just loved that. Now, fast forward 33 years later, and one tree has grown to two trees. And uh, they're artificial now. That way, as soon as Remembrance Day is over, they're up. And uh, yes, we're those people. And uh, both are laden with ornaments, but not just any ornaments, special ornaments for the most part. Through the years, every year of our child, children's lives, they were given as a present uh, an ornament specific to something that was happening in their lives at the time, with the goal being that as they moved out, they would take them with them. And so a lot of them have disappeared now off our tree. There's an ornament from every place that we visited. There are ornaments from special moments that we've shared and special people that we've met through the years. One of my favorite Christmas pastimes through the years has been just to sit quietly and, and stare at the tree. Drifting down memory lane because our tree, probably like your tree, tells a story. But not just any story, it tells our story. It's our story, our family's story. And so here we are as we enter the Christmas season. The biblical Christmas story will be highlighted over the next few weeks. And it's not just a story, but it's our story. It's our story because it's not just a story. It's a reality that has changed our lives and brings us together here like we're gathered today. And so today is the first Sunday of Advent. The theme that we're focusing on today is hope. Hope. For hundreds of years, the nation of Israel waited for their hope, their Messiah, their salvation to appear. Generation after generation attempted to instill hope in the next generation. But time passed, and the delay caused many to become frustrated and to lose hope. Now our scripture today marks the moment when the darkness of despair, because despair is the opposite of hope, was once again filled with hope because of this long-awaited announcement that we've read about and heard about today. And so today we're going to consider the angel's announcement to Mary that the moment for the coming of the hope of Israel, the Messiah, had arrived. It had arrived. 
And so as we consider this story today, we will simply be reminded once again, do not lose hope when God's promises seem delayed because God always keeps his promises. So let's walk through. Let's start with the context, and the context was despair. Both Matthew and Mark's account set up for us the political context at the time of Jesus' birth. We're told that Caesar Augustus was the emperor of Rome at this time, that Herod was the king of Judah, uh, reigning on Augustus' behalf, and that Quirinius was the governor of Syria. We know from history that Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar, and Julius Caesar was worshipped as God. Caesar Augustus, in turn, was worshipped as the son of God. He was known as the savior of Rome. The overriding policy during his reign was Pax Romana, peace in Rome. And while there was an absence of revolt and rebellion and and suppression of, of any uprising in his reign, personal peace was lacking for the people of Israel. Luke informs us that Augustus required a census. He's not interested in the collection of demographic statistics to better understand his people, his kingdom, so he can improve the lives of his people. His purpose was to increase the tax burden on his subjects and and to determine how many fighting men were available to him to help suppress the people. The Jewish people were under domination. They despised the Romans, the opposition of being, you know, the oppression of being ruled by these outsiders. In addition to the despair imposed by these brutal outsiders, there was a despair that was even more profound within the spiritual realm of Israel. Israel was a nation whose entire identity and purpose was centered in the one true God being central in their lives. But spiritually, things were not good. Most of the priesthood was corrupt. They had exchanged compassion for the people, leadership for the people, spiritual direction for the people, instead for power and for wealth and for pretension. Their covenant with God that was once rooted in a relationship with him was now controlled by legalism and rules and enforcement. That was too heavy, Jesus said, for many of them to even bear. They longed for their Messiah to come, to liberate them, to restore Israel, to bring hope to the people. Was it possible that they would see the long-awaited hope of Israel in their lifetime? Was it even possible, considering the hopelessness of their current context, that it could ever happen? So much time had transpired. So much hope had been lost. Would God ever fulfill the promise that he made? That's the context of the announcement that we heard about this morning. The second thing our story tells us is is hope. It's about hope. After years of longing, after years of waiting and years of hoping, suddenly in a moment, something happened that would forever change the course of history. The announcement that the long-awaited Messiah, the hope of Israel, the Savior, was about to arrive. 
there were a number of unexpected and perhaps even unusual realities that accompanied this announcement. The angel Gabriel arrived on the scene to make this long-awaited announcement. And his announcement was not made in the nation's capital. It wasn't made in the seat of power for the nation. The announcement was made in the village of Galilee in Nazareth, an insignificant place, a suspect place, a place that caused people to ask the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? The announcement wasn't made to the religious elite that were serving in the temple system. It was made to this teenage girl who was engaged to be married to Joseph. And she was scared. But the angel told her to fear not. God is with you. God has chosen you, Mary. It's, it's going to be okay because God is fulfilling his promise and you're going to be a part of it, Mary. You're going to be a part of it. And so the angel told her that she would become pregnant and she would give birth to a son, but not just a son, but the son of God. In 2 Samuel 7:16, God had promised David through the prophet Nation that his, David's throne, would last forever, that the divine and eternal king, the Messiah, would reign forever on David's throne. And so the angel told Mary that this boy would be the one who would sit on David's throne. He was the long-awaited hope of Israel. It had been a long time coming, but hope was about to arrive, and the long-awaited promise of God was about to be realized. There was despair, and then in a moment, there was hope. And then there was obedience. This is a lot of information for Mary to process, as you can imagine. There were things about the announcement that, well, quite frankly, seemed impossible. She was a virgin. How was pregnancy even a possibility? And so the angel explained that the pregnancy would be the result of a miracle that the Holy Spirit would hover over her and create the child in her womb. It's interesting that the language used here of hovering over is the exact same language that is used in the book of Genesis where the Holy Spirit hovered over the darkness, the despair, the chaos, and brought forth life where life did not exist. If this announcement was true, if what the angel was saying to her was true, then this is going to have a significant impact on her life. This was complicated on every level. She was engaged to be married to Joseph. Only two things in this culture could break an engagement. Death, which would make her a widow, or divorce. Becoming pregnant would be a serious issue, to say the least. In this culture, in this time, she could be stoned to death if they deemed that she had been unfaithful to Joseph. Pregnancy would bring shame on her. 
it would bring shame on Joseph because everybody would assume that he was responsible. And certainly it would bring shame on their families as well. Everyone would believe that Mary was immoral, an adulteress, and she would be rejected by her community. Being chosen by God to participate in his plan would come at great personal cost to her. Yet, after hearing everything that the angel had to say, the explanation, the answer to her questions, Mary responded, I am God's servant. I am God's servant. In other words, my life is his to use as he pleases, regardless of the personal cost to me. I'm okay with everything that you've said. There are two observations that I would like to draw from our scripture today to apply to our lives as we consider this story on the first Sunday of Advent in the context of hope. The first one is cost. It has been my experience, based on my own life and based on observing the lives of other people that I've tracked with and based on what I read in Scripture itself, that being a part of what God is doing always comes at great personal cost. Being a part of what God is doing always comes at great personal cost. Jesus himself said that if we want to find true life, we need to lay down our lives, surrender to the values and the priorities of the kingdom of God. God's redemptive plan for the world came at great cost. It came at great personal cost to Jesus. God's plan of, you know, for Israel's hope came at a great personal cost to Mary and Joseph and their families. God's plan to advance his church came at great personal cost to the apostles and you know, to all those who were a part of the early church. God's plan back in the Old Testament to make Joseph the prime minister of Egypt so that he could in turn be used to secure and protect the promise to Abraham came at great personal cost to Joseph. And, and Scripture is just riddled with these examples. But my point is this. Being a part of what God is doing always comes at great personal cost. If we want to bring hope to a world that is experiencing hopelessness and despair, it's going to cost we will need to surrender our lives to God. We will need to be willing to pay whatever it costs us personally to do so. Because bringing hope to this world will not come easy and it does not come cheap. It doesn't come easy and it doesn't come cheap. It's going to cost us. It's going to cost us our money. It's going to cost us our time. It's going to cost us 
our years of training and all those years of experience that we've gleaned. It's going to cost us some of the dreams that we've held on to or some of the goals that we have set. When God taps us on the shoulder and says, I have a plan to bring hope to the world and this is what I need from you. This is going to be your part in it and I know it's going to come and it's going to come at great personal cost. Are you in? When God taps us on the shoulder and asks us that, the question is, how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond? And I just hope that all of us can respond like Mary and say to God, God, my life is yours to use as you please, regardless of the personal cost to me. I'm okay as hard as it's going to be with everything that you're asking of me. The point is, is that hope will cost us something. Hope will cost you something. Hope is very expensive. It's very expensive. The second thing I want to talk about is waiting. Waiting is hard. Waiting is hard. It is for me. Maybe it isn't for you, but I find waiting really, really hard. Patience is not at the top of my fruit of the spirit list. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, I'm better at other things, right? Waiting is especially hard when minutes turn into hours and hours turn into days and days become weeks, and weeks become months, and months become years. It's hard. Waiting and hope are inseparable. They are tethered together, waiting and hope. Our hope helps us to wait. It helps us to wait because we believe that the promises of God are true. We believe that God is reliable. And we wait because we believe that if God makes a promise to us, he will bring it to reality. And so hope can be found as we wait. As we wait between being diagnosed with a health situation and our outcome of where it's going to lead because we're believing that despite what happens, God will be true to his promises. Hope can be found as we wait between laying our loved one in the ground and waiting for that moment where we are reunited again at the resurrection. Hope can be found as we wait between losing your job and finding a new one, even if it takes a lot longer than you ever anticipated it would take. Hope can be found as we wait between seeing your child abandon their faith and walk away from God and seeing the prodigal come back, even if it takes years to get there. Hope can be found as we wait between a relationship ending and the hurt that we experience as a result of that relationship ending and the new chapter that God has for us down the road. 
hope can be found as we struggle with depression and anxiety when nothing feels right, but you hold on to the one who promised to never let you go, to never leave you, believing that he will bring you through. We hope while we wait. The two are tethered together. And we spend a great deal of our lives waiting. Some of us have been waiting for a long time. Not waiting for something trivial or insignificant, but waiting for God to fulfill a promise that we believe he has made that really matters to us. Some of us have been praying for a long time. Some of us have been weeping for a long time. Some of us have been watching like the prodigal father for a long time. We may have started out with this great burst of hope and confidence, but as time has passed, time being the enemy of our hope, it just starts to dwindle. Perhaps some of us have lost hope. Perhaps some of us have given up. Maybe some have stopped believing, stopped expecting. Perhaps some of us are clinging to the very last thread of hope that's there. Perhaps the circumstances of your life have unfolded in such a way that you believe that God's promises are no longer possible for you. It's not possible. If, if that hadn't changed and that hadn't changed, just maybe, but in light of all of those things, the possibility for you no longer exists. I'm going to invite our worship team back as I remind all of us today. God's timing most often does not align with ours. It doesn't align with ours. I want it to. I want God's timing to align with mine more than anything. I, I do. I confess that today. But I've noticed that in my life, it is often not the case of how it works. May I remind all of us today that God is often at work, but we can't see it. We don't see the evidence of it, so we assume that he's not at work at all. We come to that conclusion and that determination. I don't see it. Nothing's happening. I've waited for so long. Therefore, God must not be doing anything. May I remind us today that God is faithful and he will keep his promises. In his time, and in his way. And that we will only need to help him. Because sometimes we try to help him. <laughs> we only need to help him when he asks us to in the way that he asks us to. Otherwise, well, we just need to trust him. And wait. Have you been waiting a long time? Have you? Been waiting a long time? 
Are you tired of waiting? Are you exhausted from waiting? Do not lose hope when God's promises seem delayed because God always keeps his promises. Would you stand with me as Tyler leads us and the worship team lead us this morning?